Church, I'm telling you, I'm just so thankful to be here with you this morning. I've missed the past two Sundays, and so I've missed you guys so much, but it's so good to be back uh, with church family. And last uh, two Sundays ago, Wes preached a message on lordship. Really want to encourage, I know a lot of you were blessed by that. Amen. Go back and listen to that if you missed it. And then also uh, last Sunday, Melanie, she brought this profound word on what it means to occupy. Uh, how many of you were so blessed, whether you were here or watching online or listening online? I know a lot of you uh, were just so blessed by this word. You know, we've been talking about the significance and the importance in this season of unifying and also occupying. We unify and then we occupy. Uh, and I just, I feel that, you know, Melanie, what she brought home last Sunday was such a a profound way to just go deeper in what it means and looks like to occupy. So I really want to encourage you just to go back and listen to that. It's very vital, very important. And uh, I just want to start this morning uh, off by asking us the question, church, how many of us know that the enemy attacks the things he's afraid of? I'm going to ask that question again. How many of us know that the enemy, he attacks the things in which he's afraid of. I'm telling you, in about the, the six and a half years that we've been uh, a church body here at Arise Birmingham, I've never, I've never experienced such a unity, such a unity uh, of spirit in our church. I know those of you that have been here for years and years, we've always had such an amazing and beautiful and powerful fellowship but there's something about the past months and even over the past year, uh, there's, a, there's a unity where I just feel almost like I've just been tasting, tasting Psalm 133 every, every time I come into this house and come into this room. Because 133 in Psalms, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It says it's like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It says, it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And I just, I feel, and it's more than a feeling, it's a knowing. I know that I've literally been tasting and experiencing that passage in this house. I feel like I just, I come into this room, and I know many of you do as well on a Sunday morning. We come into this house uh, together, and I think, wow, it just feels good here. It just feels right. And it feels pure. Because I feel God here. I feel the Lord God here, and I feel His pleasure here at what is taking place in this house. And there's rest. How many of you feel the rest in this place, the rest in this house where you can just come in and you just take a deep breath? It's, it's coming home. Can you, so can we just take a moment, just take a deep breath and just breathe in the Holy Spirit just for a moment, church. Just take a deep breath. Breathe in the Holy Spirit, sons and daughters of God. Because it's home. You don't have to perform to be loved. 
You don't have to put on a certain face that you don't want to. It's home. also such an undeniable hunger because we just desire God we just want the fullness and we're, we're so fully satisfied in this house yet we're not satisfied with anything less than the fullness of God and worship in this house is not a song that we sing but it's a sound. It's this sound of hearts beating to the lifeblood of Jesus together. It's the sound of tongues praising and instruments tapping into the rhythms of heaven. It's the word of God being spoke and being taught with bold confidence and with fear and trembling. In churches, it's pure hearts. That's worship in this house. It's pure hearts that ascend the holy hill of the Lord together. No agenda, no competition, hallelujah. Offenses laid down. No agenda, no competition, no offenses. Just pure hearts ascending the holy hill of the Lord together and grafting ourselves into the one true vine of Jesus. And I'm telling you, church, there's a lot of false vines out there that make promises but can't deliver. It's the one true vine of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that delivers us from evil and also delivers on the promise of abundant life. What I see us coming together in this house doing, I see us coming together in the unity, the unity of the saints. And I can just feel Jesus as he brings us into his fold. He just pulls us into his grace. He invites us into his lordship, as Wes has been talking about recently. And it's in this glorious union together with him where we worship together in spirit and in truth. It's spirit and it's truth. And we declare Psalm 27. Here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh. The one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house. Beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh. Filled with awe. Delighting in his glory and grace. I want to contemplate in his temple. In the day of trouble. He will treasure me in his shelter under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock out of reach from all my enemies who surround me. And triumphant now, I'll bring my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Yes, I will sing praises to Yahweh. In Psalm 24, verse 3, it says, Who then 
is allowed to ascend the mountain of Yahweh? And who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place? Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth, those who never deceive, whose words are sure. They will receive Yahweh's blessing and righteousness given by the Savior God. And you see, church, the devil, the devil hates this. He hates it and he's scared when we've discovered what it means to ascend the mountain of Yahweh together in unity. Because this good and this pleasant unity, the word says it refreshes us in the holy place. It strengthens us and it brings us into the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. And what this unity does that we're experiencing in our house, in our church, this unity, it allows us to go up together. It allows us to ascend the mountain as a family with pure ways and with true hearts into the greater things of God, into the higher ways of God. As it says in Isaiah 55, 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So church, we go up together, we ascend by first laying everything down. Laying everything down, we we put a password of praise on our lips. And on the mountain of the Lord, as laid down lovers of God, that's when we begin to reflect the light of his glory and his grace. And as Melanie talked about last Sunday, we, we arise and we shine. And in this place, the Lord God, he begins to occupy us. He occupies our entire being so that we we can then come down the mountain and occupy the territories of darkness on the earth with the light of his glory and grace. So that we can then uh, radiate, radiate from us the light that shines brighter than any other light that pierces and sets people free. And I just feel that these things that I'm just, you know, sharing and, and talking about, it's, it's as if it's an, an attempt to put words to what God's doing in this house. Here in this gathering believers, here in this house of worship that's on this mountain at the east gate of Birmingham, Alabama. And the devil attacks because he's afraid of it. And he's attacked Many in, our, many in our gathering with, with getting sick and not feeling well. And then also having the wrestling match with the sickness and the wrestling match with not feeling well. But church, he's attacking because he's afraid. Because we are building. And we are unifying. And we are occupying. And we're arising and we're shining and the devil will have to pay back everything he stole from you and watch. He will have to watch as a healing breakthrough and movement comes flooding into this house and then out from this house for every sick body, for every weary soul and for every lost sinner. Because we are children of the most high living God in which all things work together for them that love God. Do you know that's a promise in scripture that all things work together for the good of those who love him? 
and we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ in this house. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God as his bright shining ones, and we are called according to his purpose. So take another moment, church, and just breathe in. Breathe in the Holy Spirit of God. Breathe in the healing river this morning in the living water. If you're watching online, if you're listening online, breathe in the healing river in the living water of Jesus Christ. Because streams of refreshing are flowing. It's spirit and it's truth that you're breathing in and then releasing out. It's spirit and it's truth. The spirit refreshes and revives us and the truth sets us free. chapter 3 the Holy Spirit had already come to the upper room and we read about that in Acts chapter 2 but then in Acts chapter 3 there's one afternoon in verses 1 through 16 where Peter and John they came to the entrance of the temple called the beautiful gate And when they came to the beautiful gate, it says they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. And it says when he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. So he began asking them for money. And this is what Peter and John said. It says, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, they said, look at us, look at us. And then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And then in verses 7 and 8, it says, Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up stood there for a moment stunned and then he began to walk around it says as he went into the temple courts went into the temple courts now walking with Peter and John he leapt for joy and he shouted praises to God and then it talks about how astonishment swept over the crowds who witnessed this in this picture church it's it's a prophetic picture because 
the beautiful gate in this passage <clears throat> that the crippled man was begging at, uh, it can also be translated as the gate called wonderful. And this gate that this lame man was begging at, this gate, it's a prophetic picture of Jesus, okay? Because Jesus is the gate. In John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. So this beautiful gate, it prophetically points to Jesus because also the significance of this gate that Peter and John came to, many that study the word, they believe this gate was the eastern gate of the temple. So it was the east gate. And in Ezekiel 47, you can go read Ezekiel 47, in these divine visions that God gave to Ezekiel, it shares with us that there was a river that was flowing from the temple. This river flowing from the temple and this river was flowing out of the gate that was facing east. And when it was first measured, it says in the scriptures that it was measured to be ankle deep. So the picture here is there's this man who he's begging uh, at the gate. He was lame in his ankles. He was healed by the spiritual healing river that flowed out of the beautiful gate of Jesus Christ. And so furthermore, it goes deeper because there's this Jewish prophecy and it states that when the promised deliverer for the Jewish nation comes, that he will enter Jerusalem through the Eastern gate of Jerusalem. So what's happening is when Peter and John, when they opened up the gates of their hearts towards this man and the river poured out of them, bringing healing to the lame, they were declaring at the very gate everyone was expecting the Messiah to enter in through, they were declaring that he has already come, that his name is Jesus, he is the gateway, his salvation is for all, and his healing is flowing like a river. And then it says after this miracle, as I was saying, the crowds gathered and uh, Peter began preaching in verses 18 and 19, he says, in spite of what you've done, what he's saying here, even though you rejected the holy and righteous one, Jesus, and put him on the cross, in spite of what you've done, God has fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets long ago about the sufferings of his anointed one. And now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed and so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. So that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. So what I want us to look at here for just a few moments is in verse four in, in this Acts 3 passage, uh, Peter and John, they said three words. They said three words that I believe were three words that were just as important as when they said to the man, stand up and walk. They said these three words in scriptures, they said, look at us, look at us. When you're a beggar, you have no self-worth and you're not looking anyone in the eye when you're begging. That's why it says, uh, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, they said, look at us. So as Peter and John were looking this lame man in the eye and saying, look at us, they were saying, we see you and you have value. We see you and you have value. Your healing is here because the heavenly gate of Jesus has flung wide open and the river's flowing. We see you, look at us, look at us in the eye. We see you and you have value. 
He loves you and he sees you. Jesus has flung open the gate. You are the treasure and you are the reward. Now stand up and walk. You see, when you look into the eyes of love and you see your value, it actually heals you. And it changes everything. It changes everything. And notice they said, we don't have money to give you, but what we do have is something better to give you. You see, sometimes God doesn't give us what we're asking for because if he did, then he would be saying that this request, this thing you're asking for, it's all that you're worth. But he says, I've got something better because you're worth so much more. He says, because you are my own and you're not just going to get something that will fade away, but you're going to stand up and you're going to walk and you're going to enter into the beautiful gate. Because you don't belong outside the gate, you belong inside my house. You belong inside my courts. I have a place for you in my house at my table where the healing river of my love never stops flowing. And then I want us to look in John chapter four. Uh, we just, we read this, this beautiful, this beautiful story about Jesus and his life life-changing conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. And first of all, when we read this passage, we have to realize that uh, first of all, she was a Samaritan woman and Jesus, excuse me, Jews, did not have any interaction with Samaritans. They were actually enemies. Second, she was a woman, okay? And so women in the days of Jesus, they were not to be spoken to by men in public uh, and certainly not a Jewish man. And they were seen as property. They could not testify in court. They were just easily thrown out like rags. They uh, couldn't even be taught the Torah, okay? Women could not even be, be taught the word of God in the days of Jesus. And then third, what we have to understand is this woman was an outcast because we find out in the passage that she had been divorced five times, which in that culture, in that time, it actually meant she would have been the outcast of all outcasts. And so she was drawing water in the middle of the day, in the afternoon, because she was an outcast, because if she weren't, then she would have been drawing water in the cool of the morning with the other women. So that's why we see in John chapter four and verse nine, uh, after Jesus asked her for a drink of water, it says she was surprised. She was surprised. And this is what she asked of Jesus. She said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? And this is what Jesus says to her. He says, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. So Jesus was saying here, he was saying, I don't care that you're a woman. I don't care that you're a Samaritan. I don't care that you are an outcast. In fact, you're why I came. In fact, you are why I'm here in this moment right now. And what I'm telling you is that if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. Hallelujah. And then Jesus, he continues in verse 14. 
And he says, for when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. See, there were all these, these barriers, all these earthly barriers between this woman and between Jesus. And Jesus, he broke the barriers that no one would have dared to in those days. No one would have dared to break these barriers that Jesus broke. And but because what Jesus was saying to her is that I don't care what anyone says, I value you so much that there is no barrier that will keep me from connect, connecting my heart with yours right now. In fact, what we find out is Jesus was, he was basically saying to you, you're going to be the first person that goes and tells people the good news of my arrival and that lets people know that soon true, sincere worshipers will worship the, spot, the Father in spirit and truth, and you're a part of it. I see you and you're worthy of connection. You're worthy of being known. You're worthy of healing from your past sin. You're worthy to now go and tell people about me and to begin to transform the city. Because as you begin to tell people about what Jesus had said and done, then the people came out and they began to, to, to meet Jesus. So this woman divorced five times, the outcast of all outcasts, she changed the city. And can you just feel, can you feel what had to have been and what we even see in scripture emanating from her heart as she just began, you know, going around telling people about Jesus, like I found someone that knows me, that looked at me with love and spoke to me. The outcast of all outcasts, a Samaritan woman, he looked at me with love, he spoke to me with words of life, and he, he looked at me as someone that has value. And the, he, he told me I'm worthy in spite of everything I've ever done. And the reason I, I, want, I wanted to share these two passages, these two stories in Scripture with you this morning is because the beggar outside of the beautiful gate and the Samaritan woman at the well, they've got something in common. They both did not know just how valuable they are to Jesus. They both didn't understand that Jesus came for them. And in the lame man, he locked eyes with love. Look at us. He locked eyes with love and the healing river through the gateway himself, Jesus, it was poured out to him. And it was for him. And that he could actually, actually enter the gate into the courts hole and hill. And then we've got the Samaritan woman who she locked eyes with love and she was awakened in that moment to the living water in which when she drinks from, she'll never thirst again. And that it was for her, that a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding her with endless life was for her. That endless life and that love and that value was for her. That's the difference, that it was for her. He had come for her. Peter and John had come with the healing river of Jesus to that gate for that man in that very moment. Because before you stand up and walk, you have to look at him and let him tell you what you're worth and then you'll be healed. You've got to lock eyes with love and let him tell you how valuable you are, how much he loves you and what you're worth. 
before you get free from whatever sin you're dealing with or from a past sin and are healed from your rejection and discover your destiny at the well, you have to look at him and you have to let him tell you what you're worth. And you have to see that there's no barrier that he will not break through to show his love for you. There's no barrier he will not break through to show his value for you. His river is flowing for you and the living water is for you. And the Lord, I got to be honest with you, the Lord has been touching and wrecking my heart over the past two weeks with this truth that is for me. I, I got to be honest, how many times I've been in situations where I can, I believe it for someone else, but I had to get a fresh dose of the healing love of Jesus to understand it's for me. You belong inside the gate of his love. You're not, you haven't found yourself here this morning or if you're watching online or listening online, you haven't found yourself in a coincidence. You're, you're not at the well in the heat of the day by coincidence. He's here for you and he's ready to meet with you. And it's for you. It's for the house, but it's for you. Because you're in the house. You're entering through the gate. And so I just want to invite you just in these next moments, arise worship can come back up. I wanted to have some time for us to receive and worship this morning at the end because I want you to receive an invitation to just be healed this morning. The healing river is flowing and it's for you. And so as they begin to, to play, I invite you to come forward. You can, you know, stay in your seat if that's what you feel led to do. But I also feel like there's some people, I sense really strongly there's some people that you, you're going to receive healing this morning in his love. You're going to receive healing this morning in his value and worth for you. And I think there's something about if that, if, if, if the Spirit's leading, if your heart's just kind of beating right now something about just coming forward and getting before the Lord and just receiving it just receiving it it doesn't matter how long you've been sitting outside the gate <laughs> settling or, or hurting or unable to walk in his healing and his love it, it, it doesn't matter in this moment when Jesus is here all of it, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't really even matter how long you've been rejected or how many times you've actually even divorced your love union with God, knowingly or, un or unknowingly. What matters is that you look at Him and you let Him tell you how much He loves you. What matters is that you look at Him and let Him tell you how valuable 
you are to him. And that whatever you do and whatever healing you need, that it will flow. It will flow in his love. In this realm of his love and his value and his worth for you is where you will be healed. And whatever that is that you need. So just close your eyes across the house, across the room. I pray you, I ask you just to put your hands in front of you, begin to receive. I feel like many of you, you're either going to identify with that woman at the well or that man outside the gate. And before you stand up and walk, before you get healed and set free and discover your destiny, you've got to lock eyes with love. You've got to let him tell you how valuable you are. You've got to let him tell you and show you your worth. Because you are the treasure, you are the reward. You are the treasure, you are the reward. It's for you. It's for you. Flooding you with endless life is upon you. 
be healed and be set free.